Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending. We're going to talk about fitting fitness into your life as a father, a husband, and professional and staying active even when you're not getting a workout in. Joining me in just a moment will be Sal Stefano. He's the founder of Mind Pump, the most popular fitness podcast internationally, as well as the author of Resistance Training, the No Cardio Way to Burn Fat, and Age-Proof Your Body in Only 60 Minutes a Week. I'm also going to talk about a recent stand-up comedian who talked about abortion and it's interesting because the the stand-up went viral last week while I was away on vacation, and I am intrigued by this argument in particular being the one that people are kind of circling around and picking up as intriguing. Also talk about reality tat- tattoo star Katie Von D, how she's ditched the occult witchcraft, goth look, and it's really interesting to see where she's going with this, especially as a family lady now. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Sal Stefano here on Trending from Mind Pump. You've got to check out his podcast and his work, especially his new book, The Resistance Training Revolution, No Cardio Ways to Burn Fat and Age-Proof Your Body in Only 60 Minutes, which sounds like a win, especially for active people, whether you're a dad, you're a husband, a professional, trying to fit it in can be difficult. Sal, welcome back to Trending. How do you fit everything in when you have all of these things on your plate and still need to stay healthy? Yeah, that's a a great question. That's uh, actually one of the biggest challenges that fathers and parents, mothers will have is finding the time. First off, I think it's important to understand that this is a quality of life enhancer, right? So if you exercise and you apply it properly, it's going to improve your ability to be productive. Uh, it's going to give you more energy. It's going to improve the quality of your life. Uh, what you don't want to do is you don't want to exercise so much or become so fanatical about it that actually reduces the quality of life. So that's an important distinction. But with the time, you the problem, you want to pick the forms of exercise that are just going to give you the biggest return on your investment. And really in head-to-head competitions, that's going to be strength training. So you don't need to do a lot of it. Even if you just did, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a day of basic strength training, you'll see improvements in strength, building muscle. You'll get a faster metabolism and get some hormone um, balancing effects. Um, so pick strength training and, and even doing one or two exercises with body weight. You don't need uh, weights or machines to do a lot of different exercises. You could do a standing squat or a push-up. Um, I recommend this to people who just have a new baby. I'll say, hey, if you get 10 minutes to one or two sets of an exercise, um, and if you did that several times a day, you actually get a decent cumulative workout. Um, but you don't need to do a lot. Uh, two or three days a week, 
of traditional strength training will give most people everything they're looking for out of an exercise routine. And I love your practice where you talk about just 60 minutes a week. What does that look like? You know, you, your book centers around a 60 minute a week workout in essence what would that look like especially for a busy individual especially dads and husbands today right well you know that would be two 30-minute workouts um and in a 30-minute workout you could probably most people could perform three sets of three exercises um and you want to pick three exercises that are going to give you again like i said earlier the biggest bang for your buck the ones are going to they're going to give you the most return so if you go to the gym and you're like, I got 30 minutes, a good example would be uh, I'm going to do three sets of barbell squats, three sets of bench press, and three sets of rows. And uh, 30 minutes is up. You just did nine sets of very, very effective exercises, and then you're done. And then the next time you go in, you pick three other uh, very effective, what I call gross motor movement or compound exercises. So that would be like maybe a lunge or a deadlift or an overhead press or a push-up or a pull-up or dips, for example. These are all very effective exercises that just give you a big return for the time spent uh, doing them. But really, like I said, two kind of full-body workouts where you're doing three exercises, a few sets each. You can keep the repetitions anywhere between 10 to 15. You want a moderate to high intensity. And that's pretty much it. And, and really, of course, in that 30-minute period, you're not burning a ton of calories, but that's not what's important. What you're doing is you're sending the signal for your body to adapt in a favorable way. And that adaptation looks like uh, more strength, more muscle, and the side effect of which is a faster metabolism, which makes getting lean easier because now you can eat more um, and your body will burn it off. I love that you mentioned you, know, you can even do it at home without weights, you know, just using your own body weight to, or even, you know, minimal equipment at home. Or if you're someone who needs to go to the gym in order to get your fitness in, it, that can be the way you do it too. But as you say, two 30-minute workouts a week, that's something that everyone can do. And I know there are so many obstacles that people throw out there. It's just what, a matter of whether or not you're going to make it a priority to, like you said, Sal, uh, see it as a quality of life enhancer. It's a part of, you know, what we would refer to as your vocation, as a husband, as a father, uh, and as your ability to provide professionally, uh, you need that energy, you need that mental focus, and these short workouts throughout the week can make a huge difference for that. They do. They make a very big difference. And I do, I want to kind of, you know, I want to smash the myth that you have to do lots of intense, crazy hard workouts to really reap any benefits from exercise. That's totally false. Exercise gets your body, if done properly, gets your body to change in a favorable way because it's sending a signal to your body. And you could do, you can go quite far with two 30 minute workouts um, with, like I said, a very effective uh, workout routine. Effective, not meaning the hardest, by the way. The hardest workout program doesn't mean it's the most effective. The most effective is the one that gets your body to move uh, in the right direction. And strength training does that. And I've trained lots of people and I've gotten very far with them two days a week. And usually what happens, and I'll be quite honest, if you're consistent twice a week and you get great results and you you feel it and you start to say, wow, this is something I really want to do, typically people end up finding another day in the week where they want to do a little bit more. But just start out with two days a week and see how that goes. And as far as working out at home is concerned, you can even invest in a pair of uh, suspension trainers, which you could hook you know, at the top of your door. They have really nice attachments. And you can do lots of different exercises with a suspension trainer. And it requires uh, no other equipment and very, very little space. So there's a lot of different ways to do this.
Now, what about men who are maybe trying to build up a little bit of equipment at home? You mentioned a suspension trainer. If someone's looking for a certain weight level to pick up, you know, where would you start and where would you build up to later on if you were swapping out sets? Well, a suspension trainer... Yeah. Yeah. So a suspension trainer lets you go far. Um, and there's so much variety and so many different movements and I can scale that quite a bit. So I can make an exercise effective for a beginner and I can make it also very effective for someone who's advanced. Um, so that's easy. But you know, if you're looking, if you have a space that you would like to make your workout space and you want to get exercise equipment, that's relatively inexpensive, but also very effective. There's nothing that's going to beat a pair of adjustable dumbbells a barbell, an adjustable bench, and then a rack that you can put the barbell on. I mean, that alone, and you basically have everything, everything you need to go from beginner to very advanced. I mean, to this day, I've been training my body for decades and I've trained clients for decades, but I, I still primarily work out with just that myself. And and when I, I had a wellness studio that I owned for about 15 years um, and did quite well doing it. And that's all I used to train my clients. And, and I could train you. There's again, there's a literally <laughs> Probably 5,000 exercises you could pick from with just that little bit of equipment. But even if that's too much for you, a pair of suspension trainers, and if you want to add anything to that, some resistance bands, and, and you're, you're okay. So one thing you mentioned earlier, including you know women, especially if they just had a baby and the busyness of that new routine, which I get, I have a one and a half year old and a second baby on the way. By the way, the big news I shared yesterday, second baby is due in December. Uh, oh, and congratulations. I, Thank you. And Sal, I found that these 10 minute workouts sporadically throughout the day are sometimes just what I have to do, one, to get my workout in, but two, to just kind of stay sane, you know, energy focus, all of that. That's so important, especially, you know, with being home with the baby all day. And so those 10 minute exercises, you've mentioned some um, exercises, you know, picking through exercises, running through them, or maybe just two if you're doing 10 minutes. What um, are your go-to exercises if you're doing those quick, you know, little sprints of workouts throughout the day, you know, on just a busy day, whether maybe it's even in the office as well? Yeah, no. First off, congratulations. I have one that's due in November. So we got uh, we got a baby coming at the, right around the same time. So that's pretty cool. Thank but you. Congratulations. It, thank you. So, okay. So, um, okay. It's going to be different for me than it would be the, for, I'd say, the average person or the general person. Now, for me, if I'm doing a five or 10 minute, um, you know, targeted exercise, I tend to focus on mobility work. And that's just because that's what my body needs. I already do lots of strength training outside of the home in a gym. But for the average person, if this is your, like really the only way you can work out because of your schedule and your life, because it's so hectic, um, I would pick one exercise. So it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're doing stuff at home. You look and you say, okay, I got eight minutes. I could do something. Do one exercise and practice it. I'll do some push-ups or I'll do some band rows or let me try some stationary lunges, right? And what happens when you keep an eye out for this, and that's really all it is, is just kind of keep an eye out for these five to 10 minute breaks or periods of time where you could do one, two or three sets of a, of a particular exercise. When I worked with people who've done this and kind of you know thought about this and made this priority, they end up doing like on average three, four, maybe five of these a day. Now you add that up, and you're, you know, that's like 30 minutes, 40 minute workout uh, each day. Now it's broken up, but that doesn't make it any less effective. In fact, in many uh, cases, it actually increases the effectiveness because you can focus more on your form and technique without so much fatigue because you're doing a whole, you know, 40 minute workout 
uh, all at once. You know, it's funny. I recommended this style of training uh, for people during the pandemic when so many people were locked, you know, at home during lockdowns and they were, you know, going crazy. And I said, hey, take your normal workout and break it up into four smaller workouts. It made the day go by, gave them energy throughout the day. They get that boost of catecholamines and feel good chemicals and hormones, gave them energy boosts. Um, it also made the day pass by. So um, it's 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 an effective way to train uh, for lots of different reasons, not just if you're limited on time. And especially if you're in a rut in the middle of the day, you're feeling you know, anything from grumpy to distracted, it can really recalibrate you. I actually want to come back with you, Sal, and we're going to discuss staying active even when you aren't getting a workout in or when you just want to continue to increase your movement. We're going to be joined again with Sal Stefano. He is the founder of Mind Pump. You can check out his podcast. It's one of the top international fitness podcasts as well as his book, the resistance training revolution, the no cardio way to burn fat and age proof your body in only 60 minutes. We'll post a link on social media. Just follow me at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E where we've also tagged Sal. I'll be right back here on Trending. So what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Okay, I'm joined now by Sal Stefano, founder of Mind Pump, and we're talking about fitness. It's our weekly gentleman's hour, and everyone, not just men, but men in particular, it can be hard to fit fitness into your life as a father, a husband, a professional. Sal knows a thing or two about that. He has another baby on the way coming in November, and it's so neat to hear kind of about where people are at with their families and how they're growing, and you know, again, it makes it a challenge sometimes okay. when we look at how many people are in our family and what that looks like. Um, so Sal, share with me how we can fit exercise in or activity in when you're not actually getting a dedicated workout. Yeah, I know that's a good question because, uh, you know, just being active has tremendous health benefits, emotional uh, benefits and mental health benefits. One of the, the most, uh, I guess, effective ways that I found to apply this and I, when, as defined by you know, long-term consistency, because that's a problem, right? Um, there's a, you could try to be more active, but you got to find a way to make it so that it's realistic, doable, and sustainable for you. And one of the most effective ways I find to do this is to attach activity to a daily ritual that you are that you already have. And one thing that everybody tends to do is eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so if you literally just went for a 10-minute walk after breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you could take your kids with you. You could walk the baby. But do those 10-minute walks. That accounts to about 30 minutes of activity every single day. And it's broken up, you know, three times a day. And it's, we tend to be more consistent doing things that way because it's already attached to something that we uh, already do. So I remember in the heat of many people working from home and kids being home during COVID, there was a video that went viral on LinkedIn, and it was of this dad who made this a setup where he had a treadmill hooked up to a stand-up desk, and he was hooked up to a baby in the baby carrier, and he was going between walking and running on the treadmill and typing and working mm -hmm. at the same time while bouncing the baby. 
in the pack. And I think sometimes people think that's what you want them to do when you talk about getting extra activity in throughout the day. Or maybe that's how extreme even things such as one thing you recommend in your book, Sal, as uh, using a standing desk may feel like you want me to stand all day and work. But I love that you actually mentioned this in your book because there is a huge trend uh, towards doing things such as that, you know, simple things like the 10 minute walk every day after a meal or a standing desk for the day. Sal will talk a little bit more about the benefits of a standing desk, but he was sharing with me a little bit ago that he has four children from the age of 17 years old all the way down to a new baby coming in November, which by the way, I shared my big news yesterday here on Trending. My husband Gabriel and I are expecting a baby two in December. We're so excited, by the way, due on the same birthday as my first baby girl, who's a year and a half. So everyone's getting a kick out of that, especially my brother. Thought it was quite funny. Um, but listen, I love this part in Sal's book. Sal, you talk about in your book, Resistance Training, um, how important it is uh, to get those simple movements in. And I know I have experienced this in particular. I love being active. I'm a very active person. And even things such as, you know, sitting for a long period of time with work, we'll talk about the standing desk more in a second, um, to things such as, you know, taking the stairs instead of an elevator. In fact, there was a building that I used to work in every week and we would work on the eighth floor and I would take the stairs every single time. Let me tell you, sometimes it was killer. In fact, uh, Father Tim Grumbach and I would take the stairs together because we were working on a project in Orange County. And so I remember there would be days because he's like this mountain bike rider or and he would be riding his mountain bike and be all fit. And boy, if I did not exercise for a couple days, I would be dying making my way up those seven to eight flights of stairs. I always joked, I was so glad that I never had to go up those while I was pregnant. But sometimes we would run them. And it's so silly, you know, how eager we are to dismiss um, things when people think, when we think it sounds extreme to us, such as taking the stairs for seven or eight flights instead of an elevator. Trust me, there are days where I'd probably say that sounds absolutely awful. In fact, right now, especially being uh, about 19 weeks pregnant, probably wouldn't necessarily be my choice unless I knew I could go at a slow pace and someone wouldn't be annoyed with me along the way. Uh, but these things really do make a difference. Taking a flight of stairs, maybe it's two or three, maybe it's seven or eight uh, when you're at work, can really help to elevate mood, energy. Again, Sal was mentioning these hormones and chemicals that kick in from exercise, you know, those happy endorphins that make you happy, serotonin that gives you a sense of serenity, a dopamine that gives you a sense of pleasure. All of those kick in and help to boost your mood increase focus, uh, help you in, you know, social or professional circumstances that might be uncomfortable or off-putting or frustrating, whatever it might be. And so, you know, again, stairs instead of an elevator, even if it's just a flight, you know, taking, as he said, a 10-minute walk after breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or maybe at least after one or two. That's something that can be done. I try to go on one to two walks a day uh, with my baby girl. She loves to go and visit the cows and the pigs that are down the road. In fact, it'll be randomly in the middle of the day, and she'll just start saying, pig, 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 pig. Walk, walk, 
piggy, piggy. And she's trying to persuade me to take her on a walk. And, you know, I can't always make it that full length of time multiple times a day, but you can still go on short walks. You know, after you eat, you're just walking around the yard for five or 10 minutes. It makes a big difference. But I want to come back to the standing desk with Sal De Stefano. Again, he's the founder of the most popular fitness podcast internationally, Mind Pump, and the author of the book, The Resistance Training Revolution, No Cardio Way to Burn Fat and Age-Proof Your Body in Only 60 Minutes. So I was asking about the benefits of a standing desk and why you recommend these as a way to get simple activity in, even if maybe you're not always getting a workout in. Well, there's two reasons why I recommend um, a standing desk. Uh, that's, a, that's a great example. One is it's convenient. In other words, if you're going to sit at a desk, you could still stand at a desk. So it really, it's not asking you to change your routine too much. Now, the other reason is the, are the physical benefits. When we're standing, we tend to shift our weight from side to side. It requires a little bit more stability. Uh, studies will show that it's he- healthier for us to stand versus sitting. And it's really just a small thing that you can do um, that uh, makes a big difference. And mainly it makes a big difference, not because standing is this really crazy, awesome workout or anything like that, but rather look at all the time that we spend sitting at our desks, right? So if you just traded that for standing and the fact that we tend to be at our desks for, you know, six, eight, maybe 10 hours a day, you know, five days a week, that's a lot of time uh, that we're going to be at our desk. And if you stand versus sit, those little differences, the, the small difference between standing and sitting adds up to quite a bit because we do it so often and so much. My husband has switched over to exclusively using a standing desk. He stands all day at work and he struggles sometimes with focus, but he said that has completely gone away his inability to focus or getting distracted since he's been standing, which I think is fascinating to see, especially if you struggle with task saturation or lack of focus. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, um, you know, just getting up to move. Everybody knows this, or I should say a lot of people know this especially creative individuals, right? People who, who write for a living, for example, when they get stuck, you know, they tend to get up and go for a walk or move, you know, movement um, gets things, well, you know, for lack of a better term, moving. And studies will show that it makes a difference in our cognitive ability, our ability to pay attention. Um, you know, when I used to work with uh, young athletes or kids um, and I would, you know, let's say I did a talk on nutrition, for example, I would oftentimes be able to identify who in the class or, who in the room was having trouble um, keeping focus, and I would just have them stand. Um, and it would make all the difference in the world. So it's, it's, it's a small thing. doesn't really take much uh, more effort than you're currently doing. And it, but it makes a big difference, again, because you add up the cumulative time that you're sitting. Well, if you switch that to standing, that makes a big difference. And this goes for a lot of small things that we do uh, throughout the day. You know, if you, if you park on the other end of the parking lot uh, versus right next to your business, or, you know, your place of work, you add up those extra, you know, 50 steps or 100 steps, and you add that up two or three times a day for the next, you know, two years, it makes a big difference. And if you look at things like weight gain and weight loss, it tends to happen incrementally. You know, people will gain 20 pounds over the course of two years. Well, that could be the difference between, you know, 100 extra steps a day, for example. 
It's interesting. There's a huge trend, Sal, where people are talking a lot about fascia today, fascial treatment. That's the connective tissue that basically holds everything together in the body. And people talk about how stress can build up in the fascial tissue. But having, so I have a fitness background as well in Pilates and um, helping rehabilitate and work people with people who have injuries. And I find it fascinating personally that when I do everything from a standing desk uh, to even just going and getting those extra walks in that you're recommending you get more fascial movement as well. Uh, even things like walking barefoot, you know, readjusting the fascial tissue um, from walking barefoot. Or if I'm standing, you know, I'll bounce around or sway. And we've learned that bouncing and swaying and various movements allow for that stress to decrease and the rebalancing and hydrating of the fascial tissue. So although it's funny to see like this trend in the fitness world, these simple everyday movements that we used to get in more when we didn't live such sedentary lifestyles were so healthy for us in sciences really pointing to that again and I think it's something to take note of as you point to in your book when we live such sedentary lifestyles today we need these little bits of activity dispersed throughout the day yeah they they make the biggest difference look it's no different than your relationship with your spouse right you could go on you know great you know once a year vacation uh, but that's not going to matter nearly as much as how you greet each other every single morning or every day when you come home from work it's those little daily things that add up to a lot of time. The same is true for when you're talking about the health benefits of just being active. It's these small little bits of activities, little differences, little changes um, that make a huge difference. And they sound silly at first because you're like, well, I'm not sweating. I'm not sore. It's not a crazy workout. (laughs) But if you add it up, it makes uh, a big difference. Like literally, I'm going to use the bathroom on the second floor. So now I have to go up the stairs every single time or I'm going to park uh, further in the parking lot, or I'm going to stand at my desk. They sound like small things, but when you do them consistently daily, they add up and they make a very, very big difference. So I, I don't want to, I, this can't be understated. It's not like I'm giving you an option because, you know, oh, this is what you should do because you're a total beginner. I, this is something that advanced people should do because it makes it that big of a difference when it comes to health. And I think of it from a perspective because here we are in Catholic Radio and it's building virtue. It's building discipline, you know, having the discipline to not just sit all day, having the discipline to park further away and walk further. You know, it's maybe a 20, 30 minute or sorry, 20 or 30 second further walk. But those really simple things build discipline that also help in contributing to the discipline to choose to exercise every day. So I love your book, everything from the practical to the very fruitful and helpful dieting food, all of it combined in your book, the resistance training revolution, the no cardio way to burn fat and age proof your body in only 60 minutes a week. We post the link on social media to that as well as in the podcast notes you have to check out his international podcast the top fitness podcast mind pump we've posted a link to that as well on social media at sal de stefano check him out we've tagged him on social media just follow me at timmery t-i-m-m-e-r-i-e to catch sal i'll be right back in just a moment we're going to talk about comedian bill burr's recent stand-up routine talking about abortion that went viral as well as the reality star and tattoo artist Kat Von D, who's ditched the alcohol from witchcraft, goth look, and more, and why she's done it. This is really fascinating, so stay with me. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. 
You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. So I came back from vacation to discover a viral pro-life conversation happening, really more so on the pro-life side, and some triggered pro-abortion individuals to comedian Bill Burr's recent stand-up routine where he actually talks about abortion. And like all comedians, pretty much all of them, they are totally crass. Uh, But I was fascinated to see how he brought up abortion. Now, it's not exactly clear what his stance on abortion is, although it would seem that he would lean in a pro-life direction. Not recommending it because it's rather crass, but it was interesting to hear this analogy that he makes to making a cake and abortion. So basically, during his stand-up, Bill Burr is questioning essentially the morality of abortion and he's focusing in on the fact that many people still believe that abortion is killing a baby and that they come back to this over and over again and that even people who maybe are on the middle ground with regard to abortion where they say I personally am opposed but it's your body your choice you can choose but I still believe that abortion is killing a baby that you are killing a baby and Bill Burr full-on says these things, and he says that over and over again, that abortion, that you are killing a baby and abortion. So I was fascinated that he just went for it, and he said it over and over again, which really does lead me to believe that he sees that, and he's pointing out the inconsistency that at the end of the day, that's what abortion is. But that's not why he's being touted, in particular on social media last week. He uses a cake analogy that's gone pretty viral, which apparently I recently learned recently learned it might be stolen from another comedian. Um, but here's the analogy and how it went. He says the argument that, well, it's not a baby yet. He said, well, that would be like if I was making a cake and I poured some batter in a pan and I put it in the oven. And then five minutes later, you came by and you grabbed the pan and you threw it across the floor. And then the person would say, well, you just ruined my birthday cake. And then the other person who threw the cake says, well, that wasn't a cake yet. To which Bill Burr then says, well, it's like, well, it sounds... It would have been, if you didn't do what you just did, there would have been a cake in 50 minutes. Something happened to the cake, you cake murdering, blah, 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 blah. So, okay, so here's the analogy, essentially, that a cake is in the process of becoming a cake, and in 50 minutes will be a cake if you let it cook all the way. But if someone throws batter into the pan, puts it in the oven, five minutes later, you take it out and you throw it on the floor, well, the person who's making the cake says, you just ruined my birthday cake. But the person says, it wasn't a cake yet because it wasn't done. But the other person says, yes, it was. It just needed to finish cooking in 50 minutes. So, There are and are not correct comparisons in this analogy. And the reality is, is that a baby is a baby no matter how small. Baby is a human person no matter how small. A cake is not a cake when it's just batter, right? And so the comparison in some ways, you could see where it's good and you can see where it's bad and silly. It fits, but it doesn't quite fit. 
But what people are trying to say is that no matter what, how you look at this analogy, by throwing a cake that's only cooked for five minutes and not 50 minutes, you ruin the birthday cake. The birthday cake has been destroyed. Radically different from ending a life. But here's the deal. This is what's fascinating to me about so many people discussing it. I think many people in the pro-life movement are saying, yes, see, right on point, whether you meant to be that good or not on this, it's great. But it brings us back to this very common argument. And I do think it's interesting. And actually, I want to come back to this argument, this idea that we justify things based on the size, the level of development, the environment and degree of dependency, and that many abortion arguments come back to that argument. We'll talk about that in a moment. But what I did find fascinating because I was was reading through a lot of the Twitter responses on social media to this Bill Burr skit um, of abortion and using that cake analogy in droves. It was predominantly men who were responding to the to the comedian act on social media. It was fascinating to me. And in fact, many of the men were getting very blunt with their responses. They said, except for that cake is actually a baby and that baby has a brain, a heartbeat, recoils from yet from pain. But yes, scrambling it up and vacuuming it out is like a medical procedure. It's not a medical procedure. It's a lie. That's what Majoke said on social media. What I'm getting at is that I found it really interesting that pro-life men in particular responded to this viral tweet where it goes, okay, here's this a comedian. He's same thing, saying things very crass, but then throws a topic of abortion there and actually makes a semi-decent analogy to abortion. What it says is that I think it's interesting to me that while abortion is never funny, I've been aghast at the number of times people think it's okay to make abortion jokes, especially when they think it's okay to make abortion jokes knowing that I'm very pro-life. I just think it's crass and not appropriate, just like making a joke or anyone who is laughing at this whole skit, you could argue is probably not appropriate. However, what we can say about this is that Humor and comedy do have a way of telling profound truths. I'm not saying we should make jokes about abortion, but what I am saying is that we can be creative in the way we talk about the pro-life issue. We can, you know, acknowledge that he made a good argument essentially for life, even if we didn't like exactly how it was delivered and the crassness and that people laughed at it. The reality is, is that it went trending on Twitter and he was actually willing to go there. And I do believe based on Bill Burr's comments, comedian Bill Burr's comments before and after the cake analogy, he does seem to be holding to a pro-life position, just showing how obvious it is that abortion's killing a baby. But what I want to come to in this cake analogy that he uses is that for some reason, we justify things with regard to abortion. And just like in the cake analogy where the person justified destroying the cake because it wasn't a cake yet, because it had only been cooking for five minutes, so they thought it was okay to just throw the cake on the ground. Well, we tend to make similar arguments with regard to abortion. People will argue, well, it's not a baby yet, or it's not that developed or the baby's really small, or the baby's in an environment that's dependent on a woman and the woman should really have a choice, or the baby's in all of this from environment to dependency to size to all of it, people think it's okay to justify abortion. And this is why one of my favorite 
pro-life tactics is to use a very helpful acronym known as SLED. So SLED stands for size, S stands for size, L stands for level of development, E stands for environment, and D stands for degree of dependency. Now, this acronym is used to help us walk through a tactic that we can use to defend our pro-life position. So when people are basically most every pro-abortion argument having to do with the baby and even many with the woman come back to SLED. Basically, people justify abortion because of size. Does how big you are determine whether or not you should get to live or die? It's abortion is basically big people picking on little people, and we have to continue to reinforce that. Babies that are in the, the earliest stages of development, which brings us to the L in, in the SLED acronym that stands for level of development. Development is something that changes throughout the course of our entire life, from the moment of conception being what's considered a developmental phase called a zygote, to a developmental phase called an embryo, to a developmental phase called a fetus, to a developmental phase called newborn, an infant, a toddler, a teenager, a tween you can add in there if you want to, a young adult, and on and on we go in these stages of development. The body changes, the mind changes, the brain grows in development and reason and decreases in development and reason for some people. You see, that level of development is used very profoundly in our culture today to both end the lives of children, but also children in the womb, but also to end the lives of people who might have various um birth defects, people who are living and have uh, maybe been in a car accident that has damaged their brain and the development and function of their brain has changed. And so people in a culture of death that we live in justify things such as physician-assisted suicide and euthanasia. But at the end of the day, we are deciding based on size and someone else's level of development whether or not we think we should allow for that person to be killed or kill them ourselves. And so making those arguments are so important to help break into these conversations. The E in the SLED acronym stands for environment. We've basically justified ending lives, what I would argue is because of veil of the womb. The womb that is supposed to be the safest possible place for a baby to grow and develop and flourish has become the place where under the veil of darkness in a private room we've justified ending the lives of these children but it's all based on environment i really do believe that the greatest injustice leading to abortion is the fact that there's no window to the womb where we can look in and see, oh, hey, how you doing? Wow, isn't that incredible? Imagine if the womb were clear and you could just see into it. In fact, I posted something on my Instagram story. You can follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. And stay tuned. A bump photo is coming soon because that's my big news. Baby number two is due and going to be born in December. Uh, bump photos come. But I put up on my Instagram story a 
photo and video of just really neat of a baby in an amniotic sac and you see this baby here it's really really neat I posted another different one on Twitter as well so be sure to check those out follow me at Timmery T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E but you know we wouldn't justify abortion if we saw that baby just through that amniotic sac if we saw the baby through a window as the baby's so small and it's incredible and wow you could look at this image and or through the womb and see how the baby's you know nails is started to develop how the little arm buds have turned into arms I remember so a couple months ago when I went for I think it was my eight week seven or eight week ultrasound um the ultrasound technician was really really not nice I'll just leave it at that Uh, she was highly upset because I brought my one and a half year old with me and was just not kind after that which I'm really bummed about by the way because she did not give me good ultrasound photos and as any good pro-life individual, we thrive and love those ultrasound images. So I will have to share some of my recent ones still. Uh, but I remember it was about seven, eight weeks. I went in for an ultrasound and the baby is literally bringing, bringing arms by the side and then up to the mouth over and over again. The baby was full on sucking his or her thumb. And I was like, that's incredible. And I was sitting here, you know, saying the baby's sucking the thumb. And, and she's like, that's not possible. Those are just buds. And she's being like really, really condescending and mean to me. And so then I get back. I'm like, mm, I'm pretty sure that a baby can suck his or her thumb at this age. Sure enough, I check. And yes, that's something that can occur at that stage of development. And I was literally didn't need to confirm with my Google search. I literally could see the baby's jaw moving up and down, sucking the thumb and moving the hand out of the mouth and into the mouth. It was pretty incredible. Why do I bring that up? Because in this slide analogy, that E for environment is very, very profound because what it shows is that because we do not see these minute little details, the mystery in how incredible human life is in the womb, unless you go for frequent ultrasounds, you don't see it. You don't get that. I remember some years ago, I was at a bioethics conference. I think this was when I was in high school. And this Australian um, researcher, comes out and he shows a video and the video is an ultrasound and this baby is literally jumping inside the womb as if he was bouncing on a trampoline jumping back and forth dancing around practically doing backflips in the womb it was incredible you know what the physician then went on to say that baby was somewhere between eight and ten weeks old which is extremely small. So if you've ever seen any of the fetal models of the 10 to 12 week uh, babies in development, that baby's maybe about two to three inches long. I don't even think three inches long. That mama can't even feel that movement. And that baby is jumping on a trampoline. Let's be real. Like any grown adult might jump on a trampoline or like any five-year-old might jump on a trampoline. But that's the environment that the baby's living in. We don't see it. We don't feel it. We're not frequently looking into the womb other than those maybe couple of ultrasounds that people receive. And if they have a nice ultrasound technician, maybe they send you home with a nice photo. Yes, I'm still bitter about that first ultrasound. Come on, you can just get a nice photo. She's not very nice. Anyways, the other 
um, letter in that acronym for SLED is D, degree of dependency, that we've justified abortion based on how dependent someone is or is not. And this is when you really start to see the justification of abortion based on the mom, based on the woman. And the idea is, is that because the baby's dependent or because specifically the baby's dependent on the mom, and let's be real, pregnancy can be challenging from getting enough food in to being depleted because uh, everything that the baby needs the baby's getting which is a mystery and miracle of life it's pretty incredible but that dependency people use as a justification for ending the life of the baby this idea that because the baby's dependent on the woman the woman should have the choice to kill the baby but in no culture or at least not in a civilized culture, do we justify the killing of a one-year-old or a six-month-old or even a three-month-old because that baby's dependent? A one-month-old, a six-month-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a ten-year-old, we could go on and on, are all still dependent on their parents for food, shelter, clothing. In fact, you know how dependent many people are on their parents still today? I know some 30-year-olds who are still living at home with mommy and daddy, still aren't quite providing for themselves, or maybe here and there, you know, getting that contractor job, and they're still dependent on mommy and daddy for, hmm, let's see, food, shelter, all of that nutrition, just like a baby is. Degree of dependency. That's what we're talking about when we walk through this SLED acronym. Yet, we're not justifying killing 30-year-olds today that are lazier on the couch, and we're also not justifying killing five-year-olds who are naturally supposed to be dependent, especially if we're not advocating for such with a grown adult who's capable of caring for themselves. Why on earth would we be justifying abortion, the killing of an individual, for an individual in that early stage of development who is meant to be dependent on their mother? They're right where they're at. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Yet in our world today, We treat abortion as if it's a disease, something to be eradicated, destroyed, abolished, and gone after, whether it be through hormonal contraception that is meant to prevent baby from living at all costs by either preventing sperm from an egg from ever meeting, or, which by the way, most hormonal contraception can work this way, can also work as an abortifacient, killing baby in the earliest stage of life. I've explained that multiple times here on Trending. In fact, go check out the podcast where you can listen to the episode where I explain this to clarify the connection between contraception and that some and majority of contraception actually does function as an abortion. Bad for women's bodies, bad for babies and ending the lives of many babies. So this SLED acronym is very helpful. And I was really thinking about it when I came across this viral skit from comedian Bill Burr and his cake analogy. So who knows, maybe you know someone who likes Bill Burr, personally not a fan, the crassness of pretty much all comedians is a no for me, but maybe you know someone who follows him, maybe you can talk to him a little bit about it, ask if you heard uh, or saw the viral tweets or just that skit in general. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Okay, reality star and tattoo artist Kat Von D has ditched, get this, ditched a cult witchcraft, 
goth look and macabre, which I find absolutely fascinating. So if you know a little bit about Kat Van D, again, she's a reality star tattoo artist. She actually even had her own beauty line, including everything from things such as wallets to makeup. And if you followed or even her line that she had, a lot of her content had um, very creepy themed um, branding, such as tarot cards, themes of witchcraft. They, she even had a coffin-shaped, I think, wallet it was. And a lot of the names came from things in the occult. So what happened? Oh, this is definitely a developing story and one that it's not just happening in the celebrity world, although I'm really happy to hear it happening in the celebrity world. So Kat Von D took to social media this week and what she shared was fascinating. She shared a photo, couple photos, one of which included a stack of books. A lot of the books were on witchcraft and included things such as tarot cards, psychic readings, and other things, but all of this stack of books she is ditching. She posted on Instagram saying, I don't know if any of you have been going through changes in your lives right now, but in the last few years, I've come to some pretty meaningful realizations, many of them revolving around the fact that a lot of things, I got a lot of things wrong in my past. She said, today I went through my entire library and threw out books that just don't align with who I am and who I want to be. She said, I've always found beauty in the macabre, but at this point, I just had to ask myself, what is my relationship with this content? So fascination with like the dead and dead bodies, witchcraft, occult, tarot, all of that. She said, the truth is, I just don't want to invite, get this, I just don't want to invite any of these things into our family's lives. Even if it comes disguised in beautiful covers, collecting dust on my shelves. Wow. Okay, she then goes on to say, right now, it's never been more clear to me that there is a spiritual battle taking place and I want to surround myself and my family with love and light. Okay, if you know anything about the occult, she's still throwing out there the love and light comments, which are very new agey. She clearly has a ways to go. And I'm sure there are plenty of books from her library that still need to go. But this woman is literally throwing out her witchcraft books. She is throwing out her tarot cards. She's throwing out all of these creepy psychic witchcraft occult things from her library, or at least starting we need to pray for her. Kat Von D is a voice that many people follow. She has a huge social media following from her love for uh, everything from fashion to yes, you know, some of the creepy stuff to the makeup to being a tattoo artist, a reality star. The fact that reality star is saying she's ditching the occult is profound. The fact that she recognizes there's a spiritual battle taking place and one in which she does not want her kids exposed to this type of content is important. You see, social media is being flooded right now with people who are former psychics, with people who are all kinds of into witchcraft. And they're telling their stories about how they found true light and true love in our Lord Jesus Christ. One ex-psychic, Jen is a Hoffaker, said psychic mediumship is not from God. It's not okay. And it doesn't matter the level of accuracy in the readings. I want to talk about this more soon on Trending because this occult practice and the training of Christ is so important for us to hear. 
I was just talking to a friend who shared the happy news that she's pregnant after four years of struggling with fertility and not able to have a child. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. My friend shared with me is that all she did was change her diet and for the first time in four years, she was able to conceive a baby. I'm gonna share with you a little bit about this trend. It's happening in pop culture as well as in our daily lives. So join me for our weekly marriage hour, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.